Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Who's embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Hi. Y'all, we've been sitting here for like an hour and a half shooting the shit anyway. So I'm happy to see you again now that we're (laughs) recording. (laughs) Sarah's having technical difficulties on video. You guys, I have the worst ear holes. I don't know what the deal is. Just <laughs> nothing fits in them. I can't wear these earpods. Like I, I or what are the earbuds or whatever. So we are going to do something really exciting today. We're going to talk about how to teach your kid to apologize to you, to each other, to other people in the world. It's really, really important. And people don't actually know how to apologize. I think in general, truthfully, it's not something that as uh, like culture, I think that we're terribly good at. Well, I sometimes, as women, think we're apologizing all the time in moments that we don't need to be. And so then it's like, wait, when do I teach my kid how to actually apologize for actions that need to be apologized for? Oh, I think you're totally right. Absolutely. I think they've done studies on just the number of times that women just say like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, like throughout the day. And it's astronomically higher than how many times men say that, which is totally fine. But the idea is, is that it's probably mostly, it's probably majority women who listen to this, not totally women, but a lot of women. And so we want to teach your kids, males and females and gender fluid folks, how to do it in a way that's healthier and better for them and better for the world. Right. And how to model that in your own house, because if you are someone, and truthfully, I am someone who says, I'm sorry a lot. And it's almost like a reflex. It's not, I think I must've been taught to me or it was modeled for me. And I have to consciously stop because I, I did not want to model that for my daughter. I didn't want her to be apologizing for every single thing that, you know, or just even dead time in the, in a conversation. Well, and I use, I'm sorry, instead of other common phrases such as, excuse me. Yes, I do the same. Like there's a really easy alternative to like, if you're in a crowded place saying like, excuse me, excuse me. But I'm like, Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And right. I'm like, what am I doing? Right. Apologizing for the world. It's so interesting, y'all. This was not the topic of our podcast, but here we are talking about why women apologize so much. I know, or at least just two of them and you too, Amanda, right? Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say another thing as we're on it, is that when someone says like, I'm feeling really sad and someone says, oh, I'm sorry. Like that's also not a way to apologize. Like it's not your fault if they're sad, if it's not related to you, it's actually a gift that they're telling you how they're feeling. So when you Mm -hmm. apologize for it, it actually kind of creates this weird end in the conversation. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, and actually, if you talk to kids even who are, who are grieving, a lot of times they'll say, why do adults say I'm sorry for your loss? It's not, like, what, what are they sorry for? Like, I don't even understand that. And so it is, it's like this, oh, this word so interesting. kind of gets stuck into things. And I think we, it's lost some of its value and some of its meaning in some ways, obviously. And 
Caroline's bumping into people in large crowds and apologizing <laughs> to everyone. I'm just kidding. I mean, I just, I, it, it is interesting. You just step back and look at it. And then how are you, how do you model it to your kids and how do you explain to them? Because it's also, we use it for accountability also. So it, it has all these, it's like a, got all these meetings. And so if you're a little kid, how do you know which one is appropriate or which one to use or what it even means? Well, and I think something we talk about fairly often on our podcast is the idea of creating like empathic children. And I think this is one way that we do that, right? Like that we start to learn what I do or what I say can affect other people. And if I make a mistake and I don't feel good about it, like what can I do, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to just sit as a kid feeling really bad or feeling ashamed. Like there is a repair process that can help a situation that doesn't feel good. My five-year-old always runs around and saying like, stop and no. And he'll say, stop is a power word, right? Or no is a power word. And I'm like, no one taught me that in preschool, but that's, that's a smart thing, right? Apparently they're getting this curriculum about what the power words are. I don't know if sorry is a legitimate power word, but I would like to introduce it as a Mm -hmm. power word, because it is really powerful. And if we teach kids how to do it right, not only can they improve the relationships that they're hoping to improve and repair those relationships, they can also feel better about themselves and learn from their mistakes. Because life is really about mistakes. We're all going to make a ton of mistakes in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely okay. What's important is that we're constantly learning from our mistakes and an appropriate apology demonstrates that kids are learning from them. Yes. I think as we teach this in our homes too, it gets a little tricky on, I don't know about you, Amanda, but, and Caroline, you for sure will have a kid like this because this, if you have a stubborn kid who's like, uses the power word when you're like, okay, I think it's time to apologize. And they're like, no. (laughs) <laughs> like, really then you're like in a power oh. dynamic problem <laughs> then you're like well okay so i think just like again like there are things you run into with this trying to even just teach this the right way or teach it and model it the right way so here's the format that i use and i've taught tons of parents this format and i really even when i'm processing kids' behaviors, kind of trying to understand their behaviors, this is generally the format that I use, which is essentially, I am sorry for blank. And that's a specific action. I was feeling blank. Next time I'm feeling blank, I will blank. So just write that down. If you're by a piece of paper, I'm sorry for blank. I was feeling blank. Next time I'm feeling blank, I will blank. There's a lot of blanks in there. But I literally like have written this down on blank paper for my kids. And they just fill it out because that gives them the template for apologizing in a healthy way throughout their lives. And it makes the apologies easier for them to do it successfully from the get-go. Well, I think apologies don't have to be really long, right? I think sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, like I did this thing, I feel bad. Like, you know, we almost like overcompensate in the apology. And it's like, hey, it really doesn't have to go beyond this formula very often. Absolutely. And and I actually think as adults, we don't always have to add in the I was feeling blank. I think I do it with kids because that's the teaching tool, 
right? And you want to make sure it's, so you, there's two things you could say here. Like, I'm sorry for biting you. I was feeling angry that you took my toy. Next time I'm feeling angry, I will take deep breaths, right? So you've identified the feeling, you've identified another strategy. That's a teaching tool. And you're connecting like feelings and behaviors Mm -hmm. for your kid, right? Oh, I was feeling angry and I bit someone. I didn't just bite someone. Absolutely. And you have another solution for that feeling. You've introduced another solution and you're reinforcing the different solutions you can have associated with the feeling using this apology template. Exactly. But what you don't want to do is get into this, I'm sorry for biting you, but I was feeling angry because you took my toy. You have to make sure there's no but in there when you're using it with kids because this second piece does not provide justification for the behavior. The feeling does not justify the behavior. The feeling helps explain the behavior to the kid as a means to get to another alternative. This is a deep, sorry, guys. Well, as soon as you try to justify the behavior, it's not an apology anymore because you're blaming the other person. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. victim blaming now. Like we're in a mm-hmm. new, like I bought, I bit you and I'm sorry, but you just tasted really good because I was hungry. And that doesn't make the other person feel good. Mm-hmm. So when you're teaching this to kids, you have to be really clear that, there's no but in there. And you absolutely cannot use this template as an adult with a but. We're just using this template with kids so that they will start realizing their different behaviors associated to their feelings. And when you're using this model with preteens and teens, you have to not only talk to about the but, but because and also however. Oh, absolutely. Mm. So I think the only like conjunction, is that the right word you could use here, would be and. Mm-hmm right? I'm sorry for biting you. And I don't even know if that makes sense, but, and I was feeling really angry. Right. Mm -hmm. And there, there is not a, but there's not a, however, there's not any of that. And by the way, it makes my husband crazy. Cause I'm always, anytime anyone says, but I'm like, and this, Mm -hmm. but I think, but it is, it's both. And it's, I made a mistake and I was feeling this way and they're, they're not related. So let's provide example. Oh, go ahead, Sarah. I was just going to say, I think too, you're talking about having the, like not as an adult using the feeling disclosure piece. And I think even just as kids get older, because also inflection, like with a teen or or preteen or whatever, if you get into like the way they're apologizing, the inflection, if they're, they can weaponize that feeling part. So you do have to kind of watch, like we are saying with younger kids, teach the feeling part because it helps them lean into their feelings and learn to identify feelings and possibly connect feeling with behavior and thoughts and things like that. But with older kids who kind of know their feelings, like if I had my teenager come in and say, you know, I'm really sorry for slamming my door. I was feeling really mad at you. Um, You know, next time I won't slam my door. Well, that doesn't feel like a total apology to me necessarily. It feels a little manipulative in that way. So I think, again, older kids don't need to drop the feeling as much if they are good at knowing what their feelings are. I mean, you can then, after they apologize, talk about feelings like what was going on? What, you know, what do you think happened there or something like that? Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. I actually think what we're saying is that this template is for folks that are eight and under. Eight and under. And I think one other reminder is if you say, I'm sorry for hitting you, 
I was feeling the next word should be a feeling word, not mm-hmm. I was feeling like your rule was unfair. <laughs> I was feeling like you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think sometimes kids can slip into like, well, I was feeling like you were doing something upsetting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just making sure that next word is a feeling word. Well, I love that one. So let's, yeah. So let's give some examples. I have one. Okay, go there. I'm sorry for teasing you, Robert. I was <laughs> feeling very silly and playful. And next time I feel silly and playful, I will be more considerate of your feelings. Guys, we were just messing with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> we were just messing with him. That's what we did for the last hour and a half before we recorded. Yeah. Fine. But that's a great one, right? Like, Next time I will. And you're right. So now as a kid, you're going to associate that silly feeling. You realize sometimes you make a mistake when you're feeling silly. And what's a better way? Making sure you're considerate when you're feeling silly is really important, right? And and reinforcing that connection is really good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sorry for taking your Legos. I was feeling really excited. Next time I feel really excited... I will ask you before I take your Legos. Absolutely. That's great. So let's talk about a common issue with kids under eight, which is that some people say you should force kids to apologize. Some people say you absolutely shouldn't force kids to apologize. So can we talk about that for a second? I think that's a really good question. I think we get asked that a lot. Like, should we force a kid to apologize, not apologize? I think a lot of it depends on the circumstance in the moment. And I think that's really a call for every parent to make at that time. Because sometimes I think it can feel really hugely important that an apology come and come within a timeframe that feels appropriate. And then sometimes it feels like maybe that kid really needs to sit on that and make that decision. And it may take a much longer process. So I think that's, it's kind of a hard formulaic answer, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that there is one. I think it's about trusting a parent instinct more. Here's where I tend to land on it. I feel like if a kid makes a mistake that warrants an apology, such as biting, then they have work to do to kind of be back with the family, right? Like a biting above a certain age is pretty important. And so really they need, we need to have them do things to learn from making that mistake. And so one of the things they have to, they have to essentially make reparations is to apologize they can do that on their own time frame, and they're not going to have the fun that the family's going to have until they can make everyone in the family feel comfortable. So if a kid, right, like if one of my kids, for instance, hits another kid, which sometimes happens, I really want, say my eight-year-old hits my five-year-old, I really want my eight-year-old to learn from that. And, I'm, and we're about to go to the park. Well, I cannot take my eight and five-year-old together on a fun outing until I know my five-year-old feels safe and comfortable and has gotten the reparations that he needs in order to feel safe with his eight-year-old. So essentially, I'll create a situation where the eight-year-old can choose not to apologize, but they're going to miss the fun. And then the fun is going to kind of force them to want to make it up quickly. Does that make any sense? No, I think that makes total sense. And as 
as we're talking about this, I think where we make a mistake, right, is your eight-year-old hits your five-year-old and you turn to them in the moment and say, apologize to your brother, right? Like it's too heated in that moment, right? So I think what you need to do is say like, hey, let's take some space, right? Separate your kids. You make sure the five-year-old's okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you, you know, let me give you a hug. And then you go talk to the eight-year-old, right? And like, but they have to cool down first. I feel like where we get stuck is like in the emotion. I, as a parent, am reacting to like a mistake or misbehavior. And I turn to the kid and I'm like, apologize. And then the kid's like, no. (laughs) But I think if you give them a minute and everyone like re-regulates, right? Then you can have a conversation. Hey, tell me about what was going on. I feel like maybe you were feeling really angry or frustrated with your brother. Oh, you were. Okay. Well, we still can't hit him, right? Like, can we go talk to him about it, right? Because I feel like then you're taking out like the shame and sort of that like, oh, I really messed up feeling. But you're still teaching them like, hey, my behaviors and my actions have consequences. It wasn't kind for me to hit my brother. What can I do? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think also what's interesting is I I love that you said that because I think that time and that like just a little bit of space also decreases that defensive reaction that it, you know, you could really kind of breed that in kids. Like if you are on them quickly and you're like, you need to apologize. And the kid's like, I didn't start it. It was so-and-so he hit me first or he stole my Lego first or whatever, which is totally normal, like a totally normal thing. But if you kind of inc- like meet them where they are and kind of escalate with them, um, not only as a parent will you then want to start day drinking, but you will also really feel kind of like the just the energy from the experience kind of heightens. And then the kid's going to learn to be more and more defensive. Like they're going to feel like they're never listened to. They're going to feel like you aren't being fair. Like all those things will start kind of flooding. And so I, I think kind of Caroline, what you said is kind of taking that time and space. Now, let's be honest a lot of these things happen when you're in the car or you're in the middle of Costco or like whatever, like you can't go like, okay, you go sit on the porch furniture in Costco and I'll come back and get you in 10 minutes. (laughs) Like that's not going to be helpful or safe. Probably not that Costco is unsafe, just saying, but I think you have to sometimes even be creative. It might be Mm -hmm. something that you deescalate and then you come home. And and I think as kids get slightly older, um, you know, immediate gratification is needed less and less. So even these kind of solutions can be um, a little bit later if the immediate crisis needs to just be kind of calm mm-hmm. and no one is apologizing, no one's doing anything because you're, as a parent, you're just trying to execute and get everybody in the car or out of the store or whatever it is, um, then do it later. Like go back and say, mm-hmm. okay, so this happened earlier today. And I really feel like what I observed needed an apology. You know, let's talk about that. And I don't, again, like one of my things too, is I don't want to mix apology and forgiveness. Like that's something that I think can get a little hazy for folks too. Like you need to forgive your brother. Mm-hmm. No, work on that. Like, like that's something to even more separate. Just the apology piece and the accountability piece is what we're talking about. Well, and I think honestly, Sarah, what you're saying is we, what we, when we're talking about forcing kids to apologize, it's this reactive, like apologize to your brother or apologize so that we can move forward and forgive. And there's actually no real reflection on it. What we're trying to do is we're trying for both apologies and forgiveness. We're trying to pull on our kids inherent nature to want to have relationships, 
right? Mm -hmm. Like it, like, of course they don't really want to be living in the same house with a brother that's like exceptionally mad at them. Right. And they don't want to have a strained relationship with their brother. They want to know how to make it better. And an apology is a tool that's going to allow them to get there. And so is forgiveness. That's also another tool to kind of allow them to get there. But I think that instead of forcing it as an adult, what we think they should do, we're essentially pulling from their own natural, inherent desire to make it better. Yeah, connection. Mm -hmm. And connection, too. I I think, again, like I get a little, and this is because I work a lot in trauma, probably I get a little hung up around the forgiveness piece. And, and even having to state that you forgive. I think if a kid then, once the apology happens and they turn around and start building something together or they're playing in some way together and everything kind of see, feels calm and peaceful, that's forgiveness in itself. I don't think you need to necessarily execute like a formal, like, I forgive you. Like I, I, some families really like mm-hmm. that. I, I tend to lean away from that. I just think if the kids can kind of go back to normal and feel like they're connected and things all of a sudden work out, there's no need to keep focusing on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think also what we're saying is, to me, we're putting we really are creating I'm sorry as a power word, right? And if we're doing it really reactively in the moment, it loses its power. And if we're doing it in a crowded, you know, streets of New Orleans, Caroline, like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, which is where <laughs> Caroline was last weekend, we're all very jealous, like it does lose its power. And so if we slow it down for kids so that they can actually connect it to their feelings and connect it to wanting to repair their relationship, then we can maintain its power. Right. If you use it appropriately in the settings it needs to be used, then it is a power word, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's when we just use it to use it all the time. But then it's like it loses its meaning. Yeah. We just overdo it for sure. Guys, I'm going to Google if it really is a power word. I'm sure someone else has had this deep thought before, but we're we're saying it's a power word. Well, power words in general are new to me as of today. So I'm thrilled to know about this. I know. When Robert was like, Robbie, no is a power word. And I was like, that is deep. Like, <laughs> tell me more. My I love it. Look at it. the progress we're making with kids. Oh, I love like, it. Yeah. Okay, guys, anything else about apologies you want to bebop in there? I think, again, when you're talking about this and we're talking under eight, it is one thing. When you were talking about this with a teenager, it's a totally different deal. And and I think when we talk about this more, because we are going to do another episode on this regarding kind of as adults or, or young adults, and I think that's where we'll, we'll touch on the teens because they're their kind of developmental stage is much closer to to young adulthood and adulthood. And so it's really a different process with them. Mm-hmm. And I think if you start this early, you're setting the stage for teenagers to know how to do this, right? So if you start teaching your kids at a young age how to apologize, the transition to that teenage brain is a little bit easier just in terms of the apologies. <laughs> I think you're totally right. We're 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 scaffolding to adulthood. We're scaffolding mm-hmm. apologies just the way we like scaffold, I don't know, potty training or something. <laughs> or like <laughs> any being a human being <laughs> from kid to adulthood. This is just another one of those examples. 
Right. And we're touching on things like obviously human connection is, is what we're saying is so important. And that's part of the process after, but also just everybody likes to be heard and everybody likes to be validated. That's just, and that's all part of the connection mm -hmm. process. And that's what we're teaching these little, little ones, which is great. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. You can find us at Virginia Family Therapy or the Lewis Practice. And we hope you're hanging in there and let us know if y'all need anything. Thanks so much. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.